Thank you, worship team, for leading us in worshiping our Lord today. And uh, just want to thank you for your service, the way you serve, the way you prepare, the time you put in. Uh, we are blessed to, to have a worship team that leads us in that sort of a way. Today we start a new series. It's a four-part series called Why Church? I've been the senior pastor, or I'm sorry, I've been here for nine years, but I've only been the senior pastor here since April of this year. And in that time, in these last few months, the elders have taken the responsibility of answering the question, why do we exist? What is the purpose of Faith Community Church. And so what you're seeing up here is a new purpose statement that the elders have formed. And I'd like to uh, just read it to you. It says, FCC exists to equip everyone for spiritual maturity and fruitfulness. Would you say that with me, please? FCC exists to equip everyone for spiritual maturity and fruitfulness. And so probably leaves you with a lot of questions like, like how does FCC actually prepare everyone? And what does spiritual maturity look like? How do I know if I'm fruitful? Why does the church always talking about serving? So these are some questions that we'll be answering over the next four weeks. Uh, I'm excited to, to go through the process of answering those questions with you. Uh, today, we'll be talking specifically about why do we do this? Why do we gather here at church? Next week, we'll be talking about the, the blessing of giving. The week after that, we'll unpack this statement for you, talk about the scriptural reasons, how the elders actually formulated that, and what, what verses were used, and how do we seek to apply it to our congregation. And then the last Sunday of the month will be about how we serve one another and how we serve in the church, and we'll follow that uh, that day with a ministry fair that Stephen talked to you about earlier. We'll have a ministry fair, so when we, when we exit here, we'll go right into that fair, and you get to see the ministries of the church and where you fit into that. <clears throat> so I'm excited about all of that. Today we're going to look at uh, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. No, let's go back. There we go. All right. Acts chapter 2. You can turn there. So let me give you a little context about this. So Jesus has already died, risen, and ascended to heaven. But before he did that, he promised his disciples. He said, I will send you the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> and he will guide you, and he will send you into all the world to give the good news out. And so the disciples were waiting for this. So this is, this is quite a few weeks after that event, and the Jews celebrated a, a feast called, uh, called Pentecost. Pentecost. All I could think of was Passover. I had it right in the first service. Thank you. Pentecost. What's that? So, uh, right, Pentecost. And so Jews from all over the world came to Jerusalem, speaking their language to celebrate this feast. Well, while they were gathered there, the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples and the disciples received a miracle. That miracle is that they got to speak the gospel in all the languages that were represented. And because of that, they shared the good news of Jesus Christ that he died on the cross for all of these people's sins 
And many of these people gave their heart over to the Lord and followed. And that's where we pick up here. Acts chapter two, it says, and all those who had believed were together and had all things in common, except that we have to back up one more. I need the first slide. There we are. Verse 41, so then those who had received his word were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. 3,000 people came to know Jesus on that one day. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the first church. This is the birth of the church. And the first church was having this wonderful experience. Isn't it beautiful how, how Luke describes what was going on at that time? For our purpose today, we're going to focus on verse 42. Verse 42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So, question, this is your participation time. They were continually devoting themselves to what? What does the verse say? In order, the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer, four things that they had devoted themselves to. And so today, we're going to look at that and ask about ourselves. Are we devoting ourselves to these things? So first, the church is a place where we are devoted to the apostles' teaching. Now, let me remind you, the apostles, of course, were the eyewitnesses of Jesus. They got to hear what he preached. They got to see him interact. They got to see his response to persecution. They saw everything about Jesus, and they were still alive at this time. And something also special about the apostles is that Jesus commissioned them to give his word out to the world. And so what we have in the Bible, in the New Testament specifically, is the teachings of the apostles. The apostles wrote down what Jesus did, how he taught, how he lived, and give us the teaching that they were given by him. So you see this line, Jesus did the teaching. He gave it to the apostles. The apostles wrote it down, and now it's taught generation to generation to generation. 2,000 years, we are still looking at those same words and seeking to apply the same words of God to our lives. Now, as we, um, as we, we think about this here, we are given in the New Testament who Jesus was, and what he did. We are given in the New Testament a clear process, the clear work of salvation through Jesus Christ on the cross. And we're given in the New Testament 
the application of how we apply that to our lives. So we have the Old and New Testament together giving us God's word in complete form. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 19 and 20 say, says, you are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the, of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. We are built on the foundation that was taught to the apostles. So, you might be asking the question though, do I really have to go to church? Now, you may not because you're actually sitting here all right, but sometime in your life, you've probably asked, do I really need to go to church? Is it really necessary? Can I just read my Bible on my own? Can I just turn on Matt Chandler or, or uh, any of the other big guys that you can watch on TV or see online? Can I just listen to them? That's good Bible teaching, right? It is. It's excellent Bible teaching. But something very special happens here in this place when believers gather together, when we together prepare our hearts before the Lord, worship him, pray, and then hear his word preached to us. It's very unique, and it happens in local churches throughout the world. What is unique about it is that you get to hear a message that is tailored specifically for you and your situation as this local body of Christ. Nowhere else can give that to you. As I prepare the message for the week, I read through the scriptures, I pray over that, and I pray, Lord, what do the people here need to hear about what I'm studying? And I know that John and Greg and Stephen do the same thing. And so we seek the Lord and the Holy Spirit leads us to tailor what we are studying and to bring it to you in a way that applies specifically to you in your situation. In the local church, you have the opportunity for in-person discussion with one another about the word of God. How does it apply? How is it affecting your life? And how does it affect your life? And the two of you come together. We do that in the local church. In the local church, we are face-to-face -face with people who are struggling in the same dark community and learning how to live it out, live out the light together. We are face-to-face -face with our Sunday school teachers or with our small group leaders who are bringing God's word to you, sharing God's word and teaching you specific to your situation. We do that here in the local church. In the local church, you have in-person leaders who are counseling you and directing you and saying, this is, this is what, where the Lord is leading you in your life. You cannot get that on TV or on the internet or by reading your Bible alone. When we come together, there's something very special about this. We have in our congregation quite a few shut-ins, people who cannot make it out to church at all on a Sunday morning. And what I notice whenever I go to visit them is that they all say the same thing, how much they miss church. Now, they're watching us online. Okay, they're seeing, they're watching right now, most of them. But still, they miss the gathering. They miss the rubbing shoulders. They miss the greeting and the hugs and the love and the sharing and the praying that we do together. They miss that. They feel a lack because of that. 
they, they, they are feeling that that interaction is missing in their lives. They miss the joy of learning together. I'm sad for our shut-ins who can't get out. I'm also sad for those who choose to not come on a Sunday morning because they are foregoing a joy that you and I have. What we do, you being here together now, this is a privilege. It's a privilege to gather together and be with one another. Look around, just take a minute, look around. You're allowed to like turn your heads. I saw one head turn there. Come on, people, look around. These are people that you're privileged to be with. They've come together for the purpose of being with you. So I'm going to pray. Don't get excited, it's not the closing prayer. There's more to come, but I'm gonna pray right now for us. Lord, Lord, I pray that as we gather together to hear the teaching of Christ, that you grow us together in unity. That as we we come together and make the sacrifice in our day to join other believers, that we are blessed by the teaching of your word Lord, help us to apply it. Help us to encourage one another in your word. May your word be our guide and our leader. May your word dictate all that we do and say so that all we do and say that it would all be done in the name of the Lord Jesus, bringing glory to God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, church is also a place where we are devoted to fellowship. Community. Community happens right here. And we need this. Do you know even if you're an introvert, you need church? The Lord says so. We need to be gathering together. I know some people, you know, this is stressful and being with people is stressful and sitting next to them is even more stressful and, you know, but that's okay. We all need to be with one another. It's just the way we are built. We live in a Jesus and me culture. We do, we're we're taught. Our Western way of thinking about Christianity is Jesus saved me, I'm saved. It's all about me and Jesus now. I'm in a great place with him. But we've got to change our thinking. We've got to align our thinking with the Bible. Biblically, it's not about me. When we are saved, well, in Colossians, the Apostle Paul reminds us, he says, you were saved out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the son he loves. The kingdom of the son he loves, that's the church. You're saved into the church. You're saved for that purpose. Now you can argue that maybe that verse is talking about the universal church, that when you and I are saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, we are brought into this big and wonderful and beautiful family of Jesus Christ that exists throughout the world but it is the local expression of that universal church that is God's design and desire for you and me. His will, you wanna know God's will? His will is that you be involved in a local church and enjoy the fellowship in that local church. Now, we have to to be honest about this. Sometimes we're disappointed by people in the local church, aren't we? 
Sometimes we fail one another. I, I think about myself. I, a lot of times after the service, I'll, I'll leave here and I'll think through how many people did I run by and just wave at because I was busy, you know, on, a, on, a, on an errand doing something else. Or how many times have I talked to somebody and then, then after leaving thinking, oh, I never asked about their husband who was in the hospital. Happens all the time. We've got to be gracious with one another. We can't meet every, every need, right? But I've seen people leave church over going through a struggle and the church not being able to meet the needs the way they expect. So it's both. We have to understand people can't meet our needs and we have to be very aware of people who are in need. I really experienced this. When, when my dad died in 2006, he died on a Tuesday. And my immediate reaction was to isolate. I wanted to hide, leave me alone. I need to mourn. I need to grieve. Nobody feels what I feel. And at the same time, though, I, I had this, this pull to be with the Lord's people. There was a yearning in me to be with other people. And so the next day on Wednesday night, I went to church to our prayer time. And when I got there, I got to hear the word of God taught I got to hear people praying for me. I got to pray with them. I got to hear them speak my father's name to me. There wasn't really anything out of the ordinary that I would remember about that night, but that night was so significant to me because I learned that yes, even though sometimes I wanna hide and just bury myself, I need the Lord's people. I need them, and you need them. Those people that you turned around when you moved your head before, you need every one of them, every one of them. None of us is unnecessary, not one. Listen to these verses here. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, talking about isolation, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. As we read, Notice all of these together words, fellow citizens with the saints, and are God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together in a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Your salvation is not just about you and Jesus. You've been saved into the church and this is the local expression of that church for you. This is from 1 Corinthians. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole, if the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of you, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. If they are all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. 
or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Do you get what he's saying? I really do need you. And you need me. And you need each other. Every single one. God's design for the church is that everybody is here for one purpose, to build the church up. So as you are rubbing shoulders with people and moving around, God is actually ordaining that interaction for encouragement, for growth, for prayer. It's very, very important that we understand this. I'm sad about something, and I, I, want, to, I want to bring this to you very carefully here today. <clears throat> so, since January of 2020, uh, we have had 20, I'm sorry, January of 2021, in just less than two years, we have had 20 deaths in this congregation. 20 deaths. What does that mean for the people that are left? It means we have a lot of widows and widowers. In fact, we have in our congregation 32 widows and widowers. We have 14 people who are here as single because of divorce. And then we have 60 single adults, 60. That's 20% of our average Sunday morning attendance. 60 people, 18 and older, who are single. This room is full of people who come alone. And I, if you're sitting alone, please forgive me. I don't mean to, to call you out, but you're sitting alone. If I had my dream, my dream would be that nobody sits alone because somebody saw them and said, don't sit alone. Come and be with me. Come sit with me. Come join me over here. You know, uh, last year today, September 4th, 2021, Channing Green moved his life to, to heaven. He went to be with the Lord. And Peg Green was left as a widow here on earth. The first Sunday she came in, I noticed that people from her small group, Angie, Craig, Hannah, grabbed her. And what do you know, Peg is still with them today. <laughs> they didn't let her sit alone. And since then, they still don't let her sit alone. She hardly knew them, but they were a part of their small group. And they knew what she had been through, and they said, Peg, no, 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 you can't sit by yourself. Come and join. And they keep doing that. When I dream about our church, I dream that that's happening all over the place. I dream that there would be nobody who's sitting alone, unless they want to, and it's okay, right? Sometimes you just want to be alone. That's healthy and good too sometimes, right? You think about visitors. How hard is it to go into a crowd of people, whether you're by yourself or a couple or a family? It's so hard to enter a group of people like this who all know each other and we don't know what's going on. We hope they sing songs we know. Oh, they sing here? What's that about, right? I mean, we got visitors of all type here. But you know, if a person is visiting a church, it's because there's something going on in their life. Nobody just visits a church, right? It's because there's something. Maybe they're moving from another church because something happened. Maybe there's a problem in the family. Maybe they're needing counseling for, for parenting or marriage or whatever. Nobody just 
happens to decide they're going to use up their Sunday morning at church. Every visitor that comes in that door has a need. And the Lord has designed it that you and I are able to meet their needs. Again, when I dream for Faith Community Church, it's that no visitor would walk in that door without somebody, one of us, going up to them and saying, hey, I'm so glad you're here today. Is your first time? Come and sit with me. Don't go sit alone. Don't do it. So, would you consider doing that? Would you consider how you can help me have my dream? And let it be your dream. Let it be your dream too. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it, I did this in the first service and nobody moved. I'm going to do it here. But if right now, if you see somebody sitting alone, would you get up and go sit with them? I'm serious. Get up and go sit with them. We won't look. We won't look. Don't be embarrassed. Or if not, wait, good. Amen. Oh, I said I wouldn't look. <laughs> ah, brothers and sisters, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. Do you know that, that um, Jesus said to us, he said, you know, on account of me, you may lose mother, father, sister, brother, but I will provide a hundred times that in this life. Wait a minute. In this life? What's he talking about? He's talking about church. Anita, you're my sister, right? You are my sister. Let me look around. Who's old enough? Frank, <laughs> you're my father. You're not insulted, are you? Right? Right. Yeah, Tyler, you're my son. The Lord has brought us together in family. This is why, why he saved us. And he said, I will provide a hundred times your regular family for you here in the local church. So consider, please consider how you may be a change to the, the atmosphere here. So let's pray again. Oh Lord, thank you for brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers. Oh, I was wondering what you were doing. Thank you. For <laughs> thank you, Lord, for all of that. And we just, just are grateful, grateful for the way you have provided the local church for us. Lord, move in our hearts. Open our eyes to see those who need others around them. Lord, help us to become more aware Oh, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now I'm not alone. Thank you, guys. Some of you know a lot of times I'll be in the back and I'll, I'll go up to somebody and go, see that guy sitting alone? Go sit with him. I'll tell people to do that. I don't want to do that. It's manipulating, right? Just do it on our own. All right, good. Hey, the church is a place where we are devoted to fellowship. I already said that one. Church is a place where we're devoted to Prayer. Now, personal prayer by yourself is super important. I can't stress to you how important it is. And you know that we can pray anywhere. We don't have to be in a church building to be able to pray. We can pray anywhere. But there is something very powerful and mysterious when believers join their hearts together in unity and praying to the Lord, where he knits our hearts 
and both with each other and with his heart. The Lord does that. I just want to remind you that when we come together, it's a very special time to pray together. When we pray together, we are mutually encouraged. When we pray together, we we are carrying one another's burdens and helping one another. I doubt that any of you who have sat in a prayer meeting and have been prayed for, I doubt that you came away feeling discouraged. I'm sure it encouraged your heart to hear somebody helping you with your burden. Very important, very important. You know, when we pray together, it lets us know that we're not alone. When we pray together, it lets us know that somebody else actually cares about my stuff. When we pray together, I get to hear somebody interceding for me, like taking me to the Lord's throne. That's an amazing thing. When we pray together, I realize that the things that I can't bear any longer are come underneath by you and you pray for me and are held up. It's so important. At FCC here, we have many opportunities for prayer. Every Sunday morning, we have a prayer focus. And that prayer focus ranges on topics, but it's always something bigger than us. It's always something bigger than our church. And we do that because we have to understand that we are just a small part of God's work through the world. And we also do that because we understand that without praying, none of it will change. None of it. There's no fixing any problem. I can have all the social reforms in the world, but if prayer is not backing it, then it means nothing. Nothing at all. Every week, we have a prayer meeting, and in that prayer meeting, they use our prayer sheet, which appears in your bulletin every week to encourage you to pray. Every week on a Wednesday night at 6.30, a small group of people gather together because they have committed to pray for you. When you call up the church and say, oh, please pray for my brother's knee or whatever it is, those people on a Wednesday night have committed to praying for you. And that's what they do. They pray that. They are faithful, faithful every Wednesday night. They would love for you to come out and participate with them. And not only would they love it, but you would be blessed to be with them and see their heart and their their fervency in prayer over the needs that, that we share together. Very important. Once a month, we do a call to pray on a Sunday night where a larger group of the congregation gathers together. And there we usually have a special focus each night. It could be the community, it could be our government, it could be our ministries, uh, unsaved people. We always have a theme. And we have a call to pray coming up two weeks from today, 6 p.m. on September 18th. I encourage you to come. What a special time of prayer to see this group of believers coming together and beseeching the Lord on a particular topic. And the Lord looks and says, look at my people who have come together and cry out to me as a unit, as a body, crying out to me. He looks at that and is pleased with that. 
our call to pray coming up. It's just a great event. I hope you will be here on September 18th. And I also want to tell you that every week, uh, 7.30 on Tuesday morning, several of the elders gather together specifically to pray for your spiritual condition and for the spiritual health of our church. That's happening on a regular basis. So all of these opportunities for you to pray, they're all good. They're all important, but there's so much more than that. They are absolutely necessary. Apart from Christ, we can do what? Nothing. Apart from Christ. Prayer is the conduit to Jesus Christ. Prayer is the, the strongest connection we have to the Holy Spirit. We cannot live without prayer. We can do things and accomplish things, but unless prayer is behind it, it's empty, it's hollow, and it's meaningless. I, I love this story from uh, Charles Spurgeon, a famous preacher, uh, had thousands in his church, and this was, this was hundreds of years ago in England. And somebody came up to him and he said, Brother Charles, what's the secret of your success? And he said, come with me. And he grabbed a hold of the man and they walked to a door and he opened the door. And there in this little room was a group of people praying for the church service that was going on. He said, that's why it's successful. Oh, I think, I often think, again, when I dream, Lord, what would really happen on a Sunday morning if we had a group of people in a back room praying for the moving of the Holy Spirit among us? What would happen on a Friday night at dodgeball when we have 30 to 40 unsaved teenagers here and they are getting the gospel every week? What would happen if there was a group of people committed to praying for that? What would happen when we went over and brought food over to, to Dover Estates and shared the gospel there? if people were praying here or in their homes at that moment, oh, I think the Holy Spirit would move in a mighty and powerful way, powerful way. And I don't know about you, I think you're with me on this. I want him to move in that way. I want to see the Holy Spirit moving here. And, and we need to do that. We will, we will do that by, by praying. So let's pray one more time. Lord, compel us to pray. Let us see our need to pray. I think we don't pray because we think we don't need it. Father, show us how needy we are. Move us to come together to pray. Move us to, to corporate prayer and see the importance of it. And not only see the importance of it, but see the results of it. Lord, we want to see you work. We want to see you move. Move in us. Oh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, finally, church is a place where we are devoted to the Lord's Supper. That's what we have here, the Lord's Supper. When we take the Lord's Supper together, we are corporately declaring the death of Jesus Christ. Now, you might say, well, why death? Why are we declaring death? Why is it always about death? Why is it always about sin? Well, because if it weren't for the death of Christ, we would have no life. Only, the only life we have is because Jesus Christ died. Jesus died not as a criminal. He died not as a martyr. 
He died not as a victim, but he died because you and I were born into death. As soon as we're born, we are on a trajectory, and that trajectory is physical death and spiritual death. But through the death of Christ, he promises a reversal of all that. Through the death of Christ, he conquered sin. Through Christ's death, sin is conquered, hatred is conquered, the enemy is conquered, and death is vanquished. There is no death for those who are followers of Christ. That's why we declare it. That's why we declare the death of Jesus Christ today. Now, I want to make this clear. You have to hear me on this. Just because Jesus died, it doesn't mean that everyone is automatically given life. It's not an automatic thing. Yes, he died for the sins of the world. Yes, he died once for all. But unless we put our faith and trust in his death for my sin, then we don't receive that life from him. Every one of us can receive that life from him, but we must put our trust in his death. You see, I deserve to die for my sins. You deserve to die for your sins. That's just, that's just a law. It's, it's a law in this world, how, how, how things are. But God says, I don't want that for you. I love that. I love you too much to let you, let you experience eternal death. So he himself took on that death that was supposed to be mine and yours. And now he says, now take my life. But you can't, you can't just, you don't just get it unless you receive it. I can give you a gift, but if you don't take it, you don't benefit from the gift. That's what God is doing here. He's offering a gift. And today is your day to receive it. If you haven't done that, today is the opportunity. That's why you're here. You're here for no other reason but to hear this message. So, together, we are going to declare the death of Jesus Christ. And if you have taken on Jesus Christ as your Savior, then please, let's do this together. But if you haven't done that, then you can't really declare his death because his death means nothing to you. So as we celebrate the Lord's Supper and the the bread and the cup is passed out, then let it pass by. Nobody's looking. Let it pass by because, again, his death means nothing to you until you have received him as your Savior. So I'm going to pray. As the men have come down, I'm going to pray. And this is your opportunity. If you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior, this is your opportunity. And then we'll go into to the Lord's Supper. Oh, Lord, I want to thank you for the opportunity to declare your death. Lord, without your death, we would have no life. Without you, we would have no opportunity to come out of the, the slave master of sin, to come out of the, 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 the stranglehold that death has on us. Oh, but Lord, you died for me. You died for everyone here. And so, Lord, I know there are people here who don't know you. And brother or sister, if that's you and you would like to to 
receive Jesus as your Savior, then in your heart, as you're sitting there, in your heart, repeat this prayer. Oh Lord God, you died to free me from sin. Lord, I have been stuck in sin. I have been living in sin. And there's no way out. And yet you promise freedom. Lord, I want to be free. I repent of my sin, turn from it. And I believe that your death is what will empower me to do that. And that through your death on the cross, you are offering me life, eternal life, abundant life, and new life. And so Lord, I receive you now as my savior. In Jesus' name, amen.